called Joseph. And if you haven't been here, I want to bring you up to speed real quick here. I believe that Joseph, for me personally, is one of the coolest characters and the coolest people in all of the Bible. Outside of reading Jesus, when I look at people who I admire and look up to in Scripture, Joseph is at the top of the heap. And, and he, he is, let me tell you the brief story just to bring you up to speed if you missed the last two weeks. Joseph, as a young man at the age of 17, is given an incredible dream by God. And his dream is kind of like a dream of greatness. You're going to do great things. You're going to be in great positions of power and influence. And you're going to do amazing things in life. But um, as a 17-year-old, how many of you know as a teenager you, you think you're smarter than everybody else, right? You think your parents are dumb. Um, I, you know, I had a conversation yesterday with a teenager. I'm thinking, really? You're going to say this to me? Anyway, uh, you know, like we, 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 as a young person, you, you, you sometimes think you know more than you really, really do, but you lack perspective, don't you? This is why the Bible talks about you being a naive person as a young person. It's not that you're dumb. It's that you lack a life experience that produces a bigger uh, perspective. And so, so the Bible kind of describes Joseph as a little bit maybe arrogant, as a little bit putting off to his brothers. And so uh, when you have a bunch of older brothers and you have a dream where in your dream you're standing and they're bowing, that doesn't go over good at Christmas and Thanksgiving um, your brothers and sisters don't like that. And so anyway, his brothers, uh, through a number of different events, got so angry with him that they decided, you know what, this kid's such a punk. We're going to teach him a lesson. And here's our lesson. This isn't like we're going to spank him or, or get him or prank him. It's we're going to sell him. And so they sold him to a band of Ishmaelites who took him down to Egypt and sold him to a man named Potiphar. This is where we begin to catch up next week. And so what we learn in week one is that every one of us in life, to ever achieve the dream that God has put in our heart, we will go through certain tests. And the first test that Joseph had to go through was the test of, of, of the pit. He was thrown into a pit and then later sold. Like, what do you do when life hits the fan and it's all bad and everything goes down the toilet and nothing's looking good? And God, this is not the dream that you gave me. The dream was I was standing and they were bowing and now they're standing and I'm in a pit. This is not the dream that you gave me. You ever been there before? And many times you will walk down two paths of, 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 from that point forward. One will be a path to say, I will just blame everybody else. I will make excuses and I will become a victim. And you will stay in the pit of that life. Or you can go down the other path, and it's a much more difficult path, but it's a path where you look back and you say, well, what did I do to get into this pit? What responsibility do I have? What actions did I take that could have led me here? And what can I do differently moving forward? How many know those are two different kinds of people? But one of them leads to a life of success, and one of them leads a life of just staying in the pit. You will remain the It will always be somebody else's fault, and you will be crippled because of it. Well, Joseph gets out of the pit and he actually determines to make good on life, to make good with what God had given him. And so when he shows up to this guy Potiphar's house, he doesn't stay the victim. He actually determines, you know what, I'm here, but I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to do right by God. I'm going to do right by me. I'm going to give my best and do my best regardless of what my brothers did to me. And he actually does so well. That Potiphar takes notice of this young kid in the household who just everything he touches seems to turn to success. And he moves him. You know what? Can we get a different mic for me? Because that might, I might get crazy up in here. I don't think that's the beard either. So, is there a microphone over here? Ray, get a Hey, you get a razor. Oh, now we got it. 
Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay, because I can hear me. If you can't hear me, we've got major issues. Uh, what were you we talking about? <laughs> Joseph! God. I knew it was Joseph. I couldn't remember what we were talking about with Joseph. Oh, so, so Potiphar notices that everything this kid does just turns to gold. I mean, this, this kid has got the Midas touch. And, and the Bible says that God favors him. So that this takes place. And when we learn, really what we talked about last week was the test of stewardship. Please get this. That that literally there are tests in our lives where God is standing back just looking and watching to see what you will do. That's a little unnerving. I I don't know that I want God watching me all the time, but he does. And and the Bible says something so clear and so specific that, that God actually takes a look at how you handle three specific areas. And depending on how you handle those three areas, that is the degree to which God can entrust you with more. Now, how many of you want God to give you more? But how many of you know this, that if God gave some of you more or certain people more, they would either waste it or destroy their lives or make a mess of everything if they had more. That more is not always the answer. The lottery is proof of this. Some people was broke and then they got more. And then in in having more, they got more broke in. Does that make sense? So more is not always the answer. Actually being trustworthy is the answer so that when God gives you more, you can handle it and do something great with it. That's what it really is. And so God says, I'm looking at three specific areas. Number, number one is this. I want to know, and I kind of judge and, and, and look at, how do you handle the seemingly small things in life? The things that other people gloss over. Do you, do you pay attention to the details? Do you care about the little things in life and the seemingly small things that other people gloss over and brush over? Do you care about those things? Because I, that matters to me. Because he goes, when you're faithful with small things, I realize, well, man, if this guy's willing to be faithful with a small thing, I know he can be faithful with a big thing. The second area that he said I judge is this, is I judge how you handle money. Like finances are the thing that God said is kind of attached to our heart and where our money goes, our heart goes. So if if I can just judge how well you manage and steward money, that's going to be an indicator to see if I can entrust you with more. And not just more money, but more of anything and more of everything. And the last thing that he said was this, is I take a look at and judge how do you handle other people's stuff. I mean, like, sometimes you're really careful with your stuff. Some of y'all are uptight about your stuff. Some of y'all have things like these little collector things that you keep and you, you, you polish them and you dust them and you're like, don't, don't touch them. Some of y'all are funny about your couch and you still got the plastic over it. I mean, some of y'all just have stuff that is yours and you care so much about yours. But as soon as it's somebody else's stuff, eh, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, it, you know, it's kind of how we treat rental cars. You know what I'm talking about? You would never do that with your car. Bless God, you go over those speed bumps carefully when it's your car, but when it's a rental car, then things become launching ramps. And so, that, so God's saying, I, ju- I judge how you handle other people's stuff because, hey, hey, newsflash, none of your stuff is really your stuff. Because when you were born, you didn't have any stuff, did you? And when you die, you won't have any stuff. And so really all your stuff is just on loan. And so all of your stuff is actually God's stuff. And God's saying, I want to know, can you be faithful? And this is what Jesus said. When you're faithful with another man's stuff, I can tell you that you, you will be faithful with my stuff. And so this is, the way, this is the way God's looking at, can you pass the test of stewardship? Man, I'm telling you what, that right there alone is worth the price of admission. We, we, could, we could pray right now and that would be good enough. Today we were going to take on something a little more challenging, though, and so there's a, there's going to be a um, there's going to be a quiet hush at moments in this 
in this auditorium. And I want you to stay with me and hang with me because I know that what I'm going to talk about is going to be a little bit challenging. Don't, don't, don't phase out on me. Stay locked in with me because what Joseph shows us today is he faces another test, another incredibly just hard, critical test in this next few scriptures that we're about to read. And he passes the test. He actually passes it with flying colors and gives us a model for how we're going to pass the test. He passes the test of purity. Let's bow our heads before we begin. So, Father, I pray that as we read these just, I think, seven scriptures, God, that these scriptures would become the blueprint, the map. This is the, this is the manual on how to win, on how to succeed when it comes to purity purity in our heart, sexual purity, the, the lust that we are tempted by on a day-to-day basis. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord God. I, I rebuke shame. This is not a place for shame, God. This is a place for you to empower us, for you to teach us, for you to challenge us, for you to mold us into a better future. God, we invite you into this place now in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 39. We're going to start with verse number five and just read, again, I think just seven scriptures. The Bible says this, so it was from that time that he had made Joseph the overseer of his house, that all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. We talked about this. He was the steward over the entire house. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now this is the last part of verse 6. This is where we begin again. Everybody say now. I think there's a transition here. There's a, there's a, 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 a literary transition here. He's like, okay, so like this is the context. Now, 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 okay. Now it's about to go down. How many of y'all want to confess you like some, some soap operas? Anybody like Don't you lie up in church? Yeah, go ahead. Confess it before the Lord. I'm not, okay, we're about to get soap opera-esque in here, okay? Okay, let's go. Now, now Joseph... Joseph was handsome. Some say he had a beard. And he was handsome in form and appearance. I know he had a beard later because the Bible says he shaved it before he went to see Pharaoh. I just want you all to know, Joseph at some point did have indeed a beard. That's not made up. Anyway, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Now, do you all know what form and appearance mean? From top to bottom. Uh, He was good looking. And it came to pass after these things. Everybody say these things. We'll talk about that. These things that the master's wife, Potiphar's wife, cast longing eyes on Joseph and said to him, Are we have children in here? Lie with me. We'll leave it at that. That's Bible code. You know what that means. So, so we, what we see is this, is that Joseph is a, a prosperous guy. He's a faithful guy. He's, he's a guy that has passed the pit test. He has passed the stewardship test. He has now reached a level of prominence in the house of Pharaoh. I mean, Pharaoh is a big deal. And basically, Joseph runs everything to the point that Potiphar's like, I don't even know. I, I don't even keep the bank account. I mean, that kid's so faithful and honest and, and, and integrous. I, I, I just, I, all I have to think about is what I'm going to eat tonight. And so that's how awesome this kid is. Um, the Bible goes on to say that, like, you know, the only thing he didn't have access to was Potiphar's wife. And that was the only thing that was off limits is, is what the Bible later tells us too. And so in this scenario, the Bible says that two things are going on. One, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume a little bit here. Number one is this, is that Joseph was good looking. Now I'm going to speculate and say this. I bet Potiphar's wife was good looking. That's just me. 
I'm assuming that she was a pretty, if, if he's that well-to-do as the Bible describes him to do, he's that, that much status and elitism and money and power, she's probably, you know, not bad looking, okay? She's not hard on the eyes. And so that, that's my assumption. Here's my other assumption I'm going to make. He's that elite inside of, of Pharaoh's cabinet that he's probably a busy man. Is that, is that a fair guesstimate to say that he's probably a busy, he's an important man. He is a busy man. He is a powerful man. I bet he travels. I bet he's on the go. I bet, he's go, I bet he works late hours. And so the Bible says that after these things, everybody say these things. What are the, these things? You need to, number one is this, but as we, as we look at the blueprint and the map to how to overcome uh, sexual temptation, the purity temptation, the purity test, you need to, number one and first and foremost, be aware. Be aware of the these things. The these things are the set of scenario that you have to work with. And in their case, it was, I got a desperate housewife. I am home alone and I have needs. I am home alone, and he's always gone. I am home alone, and the pool boy has got an eight-pack. I have needs. And, and, and when, now, this is the way we're all wired. We are all wired to want to have our emotional needs and our physical needs met, and we are driven by them. Have you ever wondered why people do some of the dumb things that they do? Have you ever seen somebody that was so successful and had so much going for them, and then they made an incredibly dumb moral decision? And you look back and you say, why would they do that? They, they, do they know how lucky they are? Do they know how much they had going for them? I'll tell you why they did such a dumb thing. It's because their soul was driving them to get one of those emotional needs met. And at the cost of getting those emotional needs met, they did something incredibly foolish. We are all driven to get those emotional needs met. Guys, we are definitely driven at times to get our physical needs met. We, we, we are driven that way. And so when you have these types of things going on, it creates what? It creates the perfect breeding ground for somebody to do something foolish. Now, what are your these things? Because as I analyze everybody that's, that's come through my door, or every story I've ever come across, or as I just analyze human behavior, I find that we all encounter these things. And that these things many times look like this. Like if you're married, you know what these things look like? To, to, to maintain faithfulness in your marriage, these things typically begin with your marriages on the rocks. Typically there's, there's conflict at home. She's nagging. He's angry. It's just not good. And because your emotional needs are not being met, then your physical needs are not being met. You will eventually look to get those needs met somewhere. And you've got a these things scenario. When your marriage is on the rocks, all of a sudden people start paying you attention. Maybe maybe they start listening the way that he never listens to you. He starts like he's he's just so sensitive. He's such a good listener. You know, my husband just never does that. Uh, these things are a brewing. You know, like, you know, she's just so funny and she's so, she, she's encouraging and, and then she just, she touched my arm and, and my wife doesn't ever touch me anymore. It, the, these things are a brewing. When you have that type of situation, you, you, you know what else goes on with the, your relationship with God is stagnant. Like that, that's going to begin to, to falter. You know what else is, is going on? Um, you know, you got too much time on your hands. Because when you got too much time on your hands, you, you start wandering and looking and, and getting into trouble. And then, and then all of a sudden, you're like, Facebook has created this new dynamic where you're able to reconnect with people from bygone years. And like, all of a sudden, like, ooh, he, he, he wasn't that good looking in high school, but now look at him. Mm. And, and so, you know, 
That goes both ways. And so these things is the scenario. And as you think about maintaining sexual purity, whether in your marriage or in your own personal life as a single person, I'm telling you, you just need to beware of these things. Beware of the scenarios. Beware of like, okay, well, I know that I'm married, but I'm in these environments. Beware that you created a these things scenario that is going to make it so much harder for you to pass the test of purity. Let's keep going here. So the Bible says that it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast what? Longing eyes. You ever, y'all remember being single, being up in the club, you cast longing eyes? Don't act self-righteous up in, y'all did it. Y'all remember being at recess? Longing eyes were a little bit more innocent back then. You got some longing eyes. Some of y'all are like, so. Anyway, now, now I'm, I'm going to teach you a, a powerful principle here, and it's this: it's that when you think about how your mind works, number number two is this: is be careful of longing eyes. Be careful of longing eyes, and here's why: people that have longing eyes always eventually do something dumb. And I know this because the way that your mind works is, is that which you give your attention to the most, your heart will eventually follow. It it, it just goes without being said. This is why my mom sends me stuff from QVC on a regular basis. Because when you sit around and watch QVC, you have longing eyes. Ooh, ooh, that looks really, really cool. How many of y'all are... I don't know if you want to confess this. How many of y'all are bad when it comes to like infomercials? Like you actually order that stuff. You're like, I got to have that. I need that. No, everybody, everybody. That's the most unique invention ever. Everybody should have one of those. I need one of those. I need one of those. And those, those commercials are, are meant to create longing eyes. QVC is meant to create longing eyes. How many of you ever had car fever before? You had new car fever. You need a new car. You know what you were doing? I guarantee you were on the internet looking at new cars. You were driving through car dealerships looking at New cars. And you know what you ended up with? New car fever. Because you had longing eyes. I got a buddy of mine who, uh, who did this with, with, with a gun. And, and I don't know if you do, ever, you know, I wanted a gun. And you're like, man, I want that gun. And then what you do is, is like, you, you, you get a picture of that gun. You guys do this with cars too. You do it with all kinds of different things. But like, I want a gun. I want a gun. And so you keep looking at the gun over and over. And you're like, I really want that gun. You know what you end up doing? You know, going buying a dumb gun. That's too expensive that you don't need. China is not invading anytime soon. There's no zombie apocalypse. You're tripping. Um, you don't need that gun. But you know why you bought that gun? Because you had longing eyes. How many of you ever had longing eyes? Girls ever been shopping? Why do you think they have them windows like that? They're not dumb. They know there's a psychological effect to longing eyes. And the, the, the same thing is true that when you cast your eyes upon something long enough, your heart follows it. You end up making kind of goofy decisions because longing eyes. You got rose-colored glasses on. You thought, see, you, you see me, you do this with the guy that you're dating or the girl that you're dating. You're like, but she's so pretty. Yeah, but she's a psychopath and y'all, you don't want to be dating. You know, like, but he's so good looking. Yeah, but he's abusive. Why are you with you? You've got longing eyes and you've gotten goo-goo. Okay, let's keep going. So, so the Bible says that this is true all throughout Scripture. The Bible says that when Eve looked at the one thing that God told her not to have, the Bible says something very specific. It said that the fruit looked pleasing to her eyes. 
The Bible talks about this with David and Bathsheba. Why did David long for Bathsheba? It was because he had longing eyes as he was watching her bathe from the rooftop of his house. He had longing eyes. I mean, I, I could repeat this thing. There, there's just something to it that wherever your eyes go, that you will also follow. And so you need to know that, you know, let me, let me put it like this. You need to write this down if you're taking notes. Lust does not start in the heart. It begins with the eyes. It doesn't. Most people think, well, I have lust in my heart. No, no, you got lust in your eyes and it penetrated through your eyes and then got into your heart. Now it's stuck there. But it started with your eyes. This is why the Bible also says some amazing scriptures. Listen to Job 31.1. He says this. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes. I don't even know how you do that. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Look at what Solomon said in Proverbs 27. He says, death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are what? Human eyes. This ain't new. This ain't new. Window shopping is not new. We have always known that we have an eye problem. And because we have an eye problem, we have a heart problem. And so it, it, this, this definitely works with us in the realm of sexual temptation when it, when it comes to lust. That there is a lust issue because of where our eyes go. When we, when we have, you know, recreational lust and we're checking out the, the swimsuit issue of Sports Illustrated. And we're checking out the Victoria's Secret magazine or, or we move more into, more into like professional lusting. Where we're watching pornography and many of us in, in this room are right now addicted to pornography. We look at it on a daily or a regular basis and we couldn't stop if we wanted to right now. We have moved it. Why, where did that all begin? It did not begin with your heart. It began with your eyes. And so you need to be careful and beware of longing eyes. I'm telling you, if you're married right now and, and, and things that these things scenario has created itself, the marriage isn't really good, needs aren't being met, and then all of a sudden that guy or that girl down the hall or whatever the scenario is, immediately I'm telling you, get away from the scenario. Get away from that, that opportunity to cast longing eyes. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5. He, he went to the degree to say, hey, look, if your hand causes you sin, cut it off. And he goes, if your eye causes you sin, gouge it out. Now, that was hyperbole. That was like over the top. What he was saying was this. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, take radical and drastic measures to stop it, whatever it takes. I don't care how foolish you may look or stupid you may look. I'm telling you, take radical measures to cut it off. Because he goes on to say this. It would be better for you to get into heaven with one eye than to go into hell with two eyes. Like, they'd just be better. You're better off that way. Be careful of longing eyes. So let's keep reading. The Bible says that after she said, lie to me, he refused. And he said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this Great wickedness and sin against God. Everybody say great wickedness. I, I, I'm going to tell you, if you want to pass the test of lust and the, the, the test for purity, you're going to need this. Number three is this, is you need a proper view of sin and its consequences. You have to. We have, in our current day and culture, we are bombarded with sexual temptation and sexual images and sexual influences on a constant, some of you are an hourly basis. It is all around you. And, and what you have to do is, is you have to be able to step back and call what it is what it is. We've got to call a spade a spade. And what Joseph was able to do, this is so brilliant, is he was able to step back and just say what it was. That for me to do this, for me to, to be unfaithful, for me to cross that line of purity, it is great wickedness and it's a sin against God. Like, it's not, it's not a light thing. Because one of the temptations that you and I face in our, in our current kind of cultural climate is this. 
we are, we are bombarded so often, and one of the messages that is bombarded is this. Hey, it's normal. Hey, you're supposed to have those earth. Hey, you're a guy. That's the way God made you. Hey, you, this is the way it ought to be. And, and, and I'm telling you this, please listen. This is so good. The best lies always have some truth in there. That's what makes them great lies. And the enemy knows that. And so here's the truth. Sex is great. Sex was made by God. This was like a good idea. This is, this is awesome. But God designed it for marriage, and it had a specific purpose to it. And so the lie is, is that I'll take a little bit of a truth, and I'll twist it. And I'll say, no, 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 you should be able to have whatever you want, whenever you want. No, no, that's not a big deal. You, hey, hey, you have needs. Hey, it's un, it is unnatural for you to only be with one woman your entire life. No, no, that's not true. You, you, you bought the twist. They, they took a lie that was built on a truth, they put a twist on it, and you bought it, hook, line, and sinker. Because it's, it's, it's not, no, and that's what we do. Like, like I said, we, we think that it's okay, but what he says is this, it's great wickedness, and it's sin against God. Like, you need to know that when you, when you cross the line of sexual temptation and you go down a sinful path, you need to know that it's great wickedness, but you're sinning against God. Like, it's a divine thing. Like, you need to know that when you cross that line, whether it's with lust, whether it's with pornography, whether it's with adultery, you need to know that there are grave consequences. It ain't a light thing. It's a big deal. Because what you don't know is this, is that it's affecting you. It's affecting your future. It's affecting your children. It's, it's affecting your spouse. It's affecting your future spouse if you're single right now. If you think pornography is not a big deal because I'm not married, you're dead wrong. Like, I, I don't have the time. I could do a whole message just on, on, the, on the problem of pornography and what it does and the physical and the mental effects that it takes on your body. But I'm telling you, it's destroying your soul. It is a big deal. And Joseph nails it and he passes the purity test because he's able to call it for what it is and say, you know what? This is a great sin. It is wickedness. It's sinning against God. So the Bible says this. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. Everybody say day by day. Like, you need to know, like, and you already know this, sexual temptation is a day-to-day issue, isn't it? Like, it's, it's constant. It's daily. As a matter of fact, I, I wrote this down because I thought it was astounding. 4.2 million different pornographic websites. They make up over 10% of the entire web. That's incredible, isn't it? And I'll tell you why they do it, because it's a $2.84 billion industry. That's how much they brought in last year. billion with a B dollars. Why? They're trying to make money off of your addiction. They have an addiction, but I, I, I guarantee you what, theirs is greed, yours is lust. They're making money and you're destroying your soul. And it's on a day to day, constant bombardment. And let's be honest, we live in a culture where, where, where so many people dress provocatively and you're having to look at that. And we, we look at, I mean, every image, every, I mean, every billboard, every news ad uh, or every advertising ad it is constantly laced and continually laced with sexual thought and sexual images. And so it's a day-to-day bombardment, which means this, is you're going to have to have a day-to-day relationship with God. You're going to have to daily depend on God. You're going to have to daily seek God. You're going to have to have a daily relationship with God if you expect to overcome the constant bombardment. And this is what Joseph had. Because can you imagine this situation? It's not like she just hit on him once and then left it alone. She hit on him once and then begged him and pleaded him on a day-to-day basis. Who is able to stand up underneath that type of environment that long? Let's keep reading because it gets, it gets more interesting here. The Bible says this. That she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not, 
that he did not heed to her to lie with her or to be with her. But, everybody say but. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside. That she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and ran. He fled and ran outside. Now the drama just escalates. Now, now here, here's what's about to shake down. When, when Joseph runs out of the house, she's completely embarrassed. And out of her embarrassment to spite him, she's like, I'm going to make sure that he gets in trouble. So she screams bloody murder, calls for the other servants of the house, and says, this guy tried to rape me. Go get my husband. Because the husband comes in and finds the scenario, and I'll maybe talk about this in the weeks to come, he ends up, uh, Joseph ends up being thrown into prison for something he never, ever, ever did. But let's go back to the, to the moment. What did Joseph do to pass the test of purity? Is not only did he call sin what it was, he, he said this is a great sin, great wickedness, sinning against God. But number five and lastly is this. If you want to overcome the purity test, you not only need to know what sin is, but you must have a proper strategy. You need to have a proper strategy. Now, here's, here's the proper strategy. This is what, jo- what did Joseph do? It, you run. You're like, that's not a strategy. Yeah, it is. Hey, if, if, if you're in an environment and bullets start flying, run, okay? If there's some bear chasing you, what do you do? Run. Sometimes it's the most brilliant strategy in the world. Now, sometimes you're supposed to ball up. I don't know what kind of bear. Some, one bear you ball up, one bear you run. I don't know. I, if you're with people, run faster than them and you'll be all right. So... That's terrible. Um, here's another one. Not only do we need to run, flee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here, here's another one. Escape. Yeah, yeah. This is your strategy. Because you know what the Bible teaches? The Bible's so encouraging. I'm going to encourage the, the, the snot out of you right now. Are you ready? This is what the Bible says about you and sexual temptation. You're not strong enough. Because normally the Bible's like, you can do it. You're an overcomer. You can do all things through Christ. Too. You know, Joel Osteen would be here. He'd encourage us. But, but, but in the realm of sexual temptation, the Bible never, ever, ever, ever says that. You know what it says? Run. Be scared. Just put on your, put on your, your ASICs and go. Your new, your new balance. Escape. But the Bible teaches us this, is that when it comes to sexual temptation in you, you, you don't have what it takes. You're like, God, encourage me. Nope, that's nope, not going to encourage you. I'm going to tell you the truth. What this tells me is this, is what I don't need is more power. What I need is a little bit more wisdom. Because many of you are failing the purity test because you don't have enough power. And I'm telling you, you might not ever have enough power. And that's okay. Where you lack for power, God will give you wisdom. And God will help you overcome. Because listen to this. Listen to this. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says this. The Bible says, no temptation... Sexual or otherwise has overtaken you except that which is common to man. What that means is this. There's nothing new under the sun. This one's been around a long time. But God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Now, most people stop there and they, they, they misunderstand what Paul is saying here. Because they say, oh, and this is the quote. God will never give me a temptation that I cannot handle. That is not true. Sometimes God will give you temptation that you absolutely cannot handle. So that you will learn to depend on him. The, the next line describes what we're talking about in this specific instance though. But with temptation. This is how, this is how God's going to make you able. It's not stronger, wiser. Look at this. But with the temptation will also make the way of what? Escape that you may be able to bear it. So bearing it was not being strong. Bearing it was what? Do you see the difference? Like you thought you had to be strong. And I'm telling you, you don't probably have what it takes anyway. 
The idea is not to be strong. The idea is to run. Listen to this. Second Timothy 2.2. 2, this is Paul talking to a young pastor. He said, flee youthful lust. Like, just run away from it as best as you can. Like, avoid it, run away from it, escape from it, flee youthful lust. And with all the excess time that you use to get into trouble and to make dumb decisions, actually what you need to do is you need to take on the replacement theory, which is this. is I cannot do dumb things if I am constantly focused on doing the right things and the good things. Does that make sense? Like, if I will keep myself busy enough doing God's will and God's ways, I won't even have enough time or hopefully as minimal amount of time to do dumb things as I possibly can. And this was his strategy. And he passes the test with flying colors. But I'm telling you, he had a proper view of sin. He, uh, he did not sit back and say, well, hey, I'm just a guy. This is what we do. I'm a man's man. I have needs. No, 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 he didn't do that. He's a nice sin. I don't care if you're a dude or not a dude. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care if, you're, I don't care if you have a high sex drive or a low sex drive. Any way you paint it, it is sin. It is great wickedness. It is a sin against God. You need to have a proper view of sin, but you need to back that up with a proper strategy. And the strategy is not be strong. Because some of you fail the sexual temptation test and you get so mad at yourself and you shame yourself and you guilt yourself and you're so confused because you're like, I prayed about that. God, I prayed so hard. God did not tell you to pray about it. He said, run. So you keep praying. It's like trying to build a house with a spoon. It can be very unsuccessful. Don't. There's a kid's voice in here. Like, what did I just say a minute ago? I don't know what I've been talking. Listen, listen, listen. This is, I'm going to wrap this up. I want you to pass the purity test. Because I want you to be able to achieve and reach and to live out the dream that God has given you. That's what I want. And I'm telling you, this is the test that, that I have been faced with. And I think every guy, and I don't know to what, I only speak from a guy's perspective here, to, to a large degree women have. It's amazing because when you look at, when we were talking about pornography, the, the women's, Issues with pornography is always higher than what everybody assumes it is. Everybody assumes that lust is a dude's issue. It's actually, it's a pretty big deal with the women as well. But I'm telling you, I've seen this test and sometimes I have failed it and sometimes I've passed it. Heck, sometimes I've done a little bit of both. I remember being a young man and when God touched my heart, I started to do some amazing things for God. I began to teach the Bible. I began to lead my youth group at the age of 17. God was using me in a huge, huge way. I truly, passionately loved God. And I remember one time I was, um, I was literally going through my closet, which was a total mess, and I found a VHS tape. Now, that's how old I am. A VHS tape, and the sticker had been ripped off of it. And I thought, hmm, what is that? And I genuinely didn't know what it was. It, I actually thought I might know what it was because I thought it was a buddy of mine, and I'm, I don't know how I got that in my closet. But I, I and again, I'm all alone. I'm home alone. A godly young man wanting to teach the Bible, wanting to do ministry with my life. And I put in this tape, and then sure enough, that music comes on. And, and two naked people come out and start having sex. And so in my heart, my heart turned and I was like, oh my gosh, this is awful. This is wicked. This is terrible. I cannot believe that they are doing that stuff. That is so filthy and godly i can't i cannot believe that they are doing that the fact that they would do that over and over like that the fact i don't even know how they do that like that i don't this is awful god i pray for them um i was 17 years old i watched the whole tape because i'm not strong enough 
I'll tell you what I did after. I did the smartest thing I ever could have done. I took the tape and I destroyed it, literally destroyed it, and threw it in the trash can. I was like, I have an issue with lust. And if I have this around, I'm going to be tempted and I'm going to go back to it in a moment of weakness. And it's just going to be there and I'm going to fail all over again. I'm not going to rely on strength. I'm just going to rely on some wisdom here. Because here's what I know about porn is when you don't have porn, you can't watch porn. That's brilliant. See, and, and here's, I remember, I remember a comedian saying this just recently. I thought it was funny only for the obvious truth that, 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 that comes out of it. He was making fun of pornography in today's culture and generation. And he was an older guy and he was saying, see, the problem with y'all kids is, is y'all don't appreciate it. Y'all don't know how hard it would be to get porn. We had to work for that back in the day is what he was saying. And, 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 and the, 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 the more painful truth that, that comes out of that is this, is that we live in a day and an age and a culture where you can't just remove porn very easily anymore. Because it's constantly around you. If you have a phone or if you have, a, you have internet access, which is everywhere, by the way, you're constantly around it. See, like I remember being a little kid and for the first time ever being a little kid um, running through the woods that were near my house. And somebody had left an old uh, pornographic magazine in the woods and it had gotten shredded and beaten up. And, and, and I remember being a little kid, 8, 9, 10 years old, and just being absolutely fascinated by it. And be, you know, like doing this, you're like, that's real weather, but I think I can make out a, that's a... And, and you were just, or, or when you were a kid, and remember, I don't know if you had this, when you were a kid, if you had bad cable or satellite, and there were the, dish, or the, there were the channels that were blocked out, you could kind of like, they were like fuzzy, and you were a little kid, and when your parents weren't around, you would go and watch, and you would just, it would be squiggly lines, but I think I can make out a, that's a, and it used to be hard. And I'm telling you, in today's age and culture, it is too accessible. And I'm telling you this, because please, 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 parents, I beg of you, take drastic measures to protect your children. I ran into a, 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 actually it was a grandparent situation. It was a grandparent that watches their grandkids all the time. And um, they actually needed help with a device. And I'm like, hey, I can figure that out for you. Because they were, they were technologically not smart. And so, that was a nice way of saying that. So, um, so, so literally, like, hey, can you fix this? And I go on there and start fixing it. And I, when I look at the web browser for her little iPad device thing, just cover with porn. It's not her. It's the grandkids that are 10 years old. And it's not just one. Scroll after scroll after scroll. Kids are smart. And they know how to mess around and get around and do things. And I'm telling you, if you love your kids, protect them. I don't care if they think you're mean or not. You do whatever it takes. Listen to me. If you're out there and you say, Todd, that's me. I'm not, I'm not the kid. I'm, I'm the man or the adult or the grown-up or the woman that is struggling. I'm telling you this. There are ways. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you to do this. Go to triplexchurch.com. It is the uh, best ministry in the nation to help people overcome addictions to pornography. They actually have filters that you can put on your web browser. You can sign up accountability partners. You can get support group through them. There is, it is a fascinating resource and ministry. I'm telling you, get help because it's destroying your soul. I'm telling you, it's going to destroy your future relationships. It's messing with your marriage. It is messing with your mind. I'm telling you, it is destroying you from the inside out. And many and many and many of you are dealing with it, and we know that. It's just statistically, we... It, as a whole, we are struggling with it. Women, y'all, y'all are struggling with it, maybe to a lesser degree, but some of you are struggling. I'm telling you, get help. But the answer is this. I remember doing this. My buddy used to work at Comcast, and um, he said, hey, where I live, I can't even get Comcast, but because I work there, I can get every channel for free. Why don't I give it to you? Which is like, okay. And so he gave me, this is when I was a young man, he gave me the Comcast channel, but here's what I know. When you have like HBO and Send to the Max and all these channels, and and I 
I won't tell you what HBO is actually called. Anyway. So, so, so I told, but I told him though, because this was, this was the guy that I'd grown up with. As, it, it, this was my first Christian friend from high school, and we grew up reading the Bible and studying the Bible and, and fellowshipping together. And I told him flat, I said, hey, look, here's the deal. When I'm up late and I can't sleep, and you flip on those, the, 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 what I call booby channels, because it's just nothing but this, you know. Okay, good. So, and I, I told him, I said, look, I know, I know I don't want that, because I know if I start flipping and I catch that channel, I'm just going to sit there and watch, because I'm dumb, and I'm a. I said, so here's what I want you to do. It's the smartest thing I ever did is I told him, I said, hey, look, I want you to go put in a security code and block out all those channels and don't tell me what the security code is. I don't want to know what it is. And that was what I'm telling you. I I remember being a teenage kid and going and finding like a box of porn from 1970 that was in my dad's basement and I threw it out and burned it and got rid of it. I'm telling you, take drastic measures, whatever it takes to protect your marriage, to guard your eyes, to guard your heart, to realize that that is harming you. It is a great sin, and it's a great wickedness, and it's even a sin against God. I'm telling, I'm pleading with you. You can do this. You can pass the purity test. Last thought, and I'm closing. Many of us feel like it's a losing battle. Many of us look at it and say literally like, it's impossible. I won't be able to. I won't, I won't even care. I was reading C.S. Lewis this week, and he said this amazingly incredible thought when it came to sexual purity. He said this. He said, I want you to try. He goes, you may not win every battle, you may not succeed every time, you may not pass every test, but just to quit and to call it quits and not even try, you're going to kill yourself, you're going to damage your own soul. And literally what I want you to do, what he was saying was this, I want you to pray, because what God will give you is he'll give you the grace to try again. That even if you fail, pick yourself back up, ask for forgiveness, and ask for the grace to try again, because trying will at least limit the, the damage that hits your soul. Trying will at least limit the damage that hits your family. I'm telling you, at least pray and believe for the grace to try again. God is with you. You're going to need a day-in, day-out, day-to-day relationship with Him. You're going to not, listen, you don't need willpower, you need God's power. And above God's power, you need God's wisdom to see the door of escape, to see the boundary. How can I get rid of this? How can I put a filter? How can I get in a, some of you that are struggling with this issue of pornography, I'm telling you, the very first thing you need to do is go tell a friend. A godly friend that you love, just tell it. Because as long as you keep it secret and hidden, you will not deal with it. I'm telling you, put it out there. Stop being ashamed. Stop being Just put it out there. Say, hey, look, I'm struggling with this. Will you help me? I'm struggling with this. Will you pray for me? Even from time to time, just check in on me. I'm going to try. I'm sure I'll fail some, but I'm going to try. And I promise you, as the more and more you try God, God's grace will empower you. I'm telling you. I want you to pass the test of purity because no, I'm telling you it's going to affect in a negative way. It's going to affect your future. It's going to affect your family. It's going to affect your children. But I want you to pass the test because God has great things in your future. And as you overcome this, I, I guarantee you, you will see uh, your relationships improve. You'll see your marriage improve. You'll see the life and future of your children. I'm telling you, there will be ramifications. There will be blessing that you cannot quite wrap your mind around just now. But I want you to pass this test. You can do this. Not because of you, but because of God and his grace over your life and his wisdom in your life. You can do this. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, that uh, as we took on this tough topic, that, God, you would not let us walk out shamed or guilted, but, God, challenged, encouraged, convicted, inspired, God, to take steps, to do something radical, to tell a friend, to get a filter, to to go, to do whatever it takes, God, to take a radical measure so that we might pass the test of purity. For those married couples out there that your marriage is struggling and you've got wandering eyes, I want to encourage you, stop longing eyes. Cut it off right now. 
day by day seek your relationship with God. Day by day seek His power, His presence, His wisdom in your life. You can overcome. God can restore. God can do amazing things. God doesn't want to see you go down that path. And so, Father, I just pray. And you know what? I want to do this real quick. With everybody's head bowed and eye closed, if you could just... If you just want to be honest with me today and say, Todd, you know what? I've got an area where I'm struggling. Just slip your hand up in the air and say, Todd, would you pray for me? I'm struggling with this. This is something that I deal with. I need to pass the test of purity. God, help me. Just between you and God, between us, that's me today. So, Father, we pray that you would help us, God. Help us to walk out of this place to pass the test of purity, God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And we all said... Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?